This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. The first pitch on its way. Swing and a line drive left side of the infield. Fielded by Wendell. He made the catch. Rays win. Rays win. Rays win. And they're on their way to the American League Championship Series as they knock off the New York Yankees 2-1. to Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week. Take a look around Major League Baseball and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. Just a swing and a drive. Hit well in the air to right. Mookie Betts going back to the wall. Gone! A first-inning homer for Randy Arozarena, number 10 of the postseason. It's one nothing Rays. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our show. Today we'll visit with the longest tenured Ray and Kevin Kiermeyer. Chat about the week that was with Doug Wechter of Valley Sports Sun. Prospect Brett Wisely will discuss a breakthrough season. We'll chat with bench coach Matt Quatrero about keeping guys fresh and discuss the postseason races with John Morosi of MLB Network and Fox Sports. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball and our featured guest, the longest tenured Ray in Kevin Kiermeyer. And it's great to say that again. We are now in the dog days of summer so to speak so first of all how are you feeling <laughs> it, feel, it feels like it's august i'll say that you know it's been a, a wild year again uh, for my body my health but you just you live to see another day and and get treatment and do whatever it takes to to be out there and and just like all of us though you know you have your good days and your bad but as you get older it definitely gets harder but uh you know you you learn a lot of things along the way and just you figure out how to maintain and, and what your body needs the most. So, but once game time comes and you know we take that field, you get that adrenaline and, and you feel things a lot less. I will say that. But it's the dog days of summer right now, mid-August. Uh, we all, none of us feel 100%. So that's just the way it is. How much of that is? It's August, and how much of that is 60 games last year, more than double that so far this year? Yeah, um, I, I do think that that plays a part. You know, it's technically been two years since we've had a, a full season but I'll say this once again last year was every bit as hard as is what this year has been even though it was a hundred less games but getting back to a 162 game season this year um, makes the transition no easier coming off what we did last year even with a lighter schedule even though like I said it was just as tough but you know what though winning and being in the environment we are makes it a lot better than what it could be. You see what, what other teams have to deal with. And I'm just thankful that we have a winning atmosphere here and it, and it makes, you know, your body struggles at times. It It's easy to, to overcome on a day-to-day basis because we know what's at stake for us. And, and we, you know, we have, uh, we have a lot of goals that we want to accomplish as a team. So you just got to bat- battle through them and, do whatever it takes to to get your body ready and that's what everyone in our clubhouse does and we've done a great job and even batting all the injuries we've had we had a lot of guys step up and this game's very hard and and physically and mentally demanding but 
we got a great group of guys to uh, overcome those. So happy to be a part of this group. From up above, it looks like you're also swinging the bat much better the last couple of weeks. Do you feel that way? And and if so, what has what have you tweaked or changed that's gotten you in that really good spot? Yeah, I just um, just trying to simplify things. And I, you know, the offensive side of the game for me is has always been the the main talking point of my career. Rightfully so. It's the hardest thing I've ever most challenging thing I've ever had to try to master my whole life. And that's why I love it and hate it (laughs) at the same time, because, uh, you know, it it drives me crazy at times, but I'm obsessed with trying to perfect my craft and be the best player I can be during the season, the off season. It's all I think about. And I just want to maximize my potential and be the best player I can be from a personal standpoint. And also, you know, the better I am, the, the better chance I have helping my team out and that's what it's all about but yeah as of late I just try to simplify things and there's times where the game speeds up on me and I'm not really seeing pitches out the hand really well so for me lately I'm not trying to hit the ball with authority I just want to see the ball and you know try to really control the strike zone that's when I'm at my best so I'm taking my singles and you know having occasional power here or there but I'm not making it a priority and that has just helped me get on base a lot better and you learn from things like this guys who make this game look easy and hit for power and all these extra base hits it's, it's not that easy and you know we're all dealt a different hand and for me getting on base is um most important thing to me and i just uh like i said i want to control my bats and i feel like i've done a really good job the last couple of weeks and hopefully to continue that trend from here on out you have one of those guys who has hit the ball well throughout most of his career, Nelson Cruz. Have you picked up, have you picked his brain at all? And is there anything that you've learned from him just from being around him for the last three, four weeks? I, uh, I've asked him a few things here or there, but um, just about his routine and, and what he wants to do. But he's, he's pretty quiet for the most part, but guys definitely watch what he does. I like watching his cage work and try to learn and, and see what he's working on and, and try to apply that in my game one way or another. But at the end of the day, though, he, we are two completely different players. And, and if I had, um, you know, the power he has, I, I would try to make it priority. That That's his game. And, you know, he's just had a knack his whole career. And it looks like, you know, he's had the same stance forever and just wakes up and, and rakes. And then there's, there's other guys like me who – it's a work in progress for all of us, don't get me wrong. But um, he makes the game look – look very easy at times and and that's just what he's done for 15 16 years that's what he does but there are some things maybe even he could pick up from the bench whether a guy's tipping pitches or trends guys are getting into when you have a guy who's been around the block i would guess that for all of you you can all learn little things that maybe you didn't see that he sees 100 percent, he is incredible with uh even before we got him Zanino would always talk about how with the Mariners he could always pick up pitchers tendencies and uh, when when pitchers are tipping he can figure it out instantly and he has he I, I watch or you know see how he scouts different pitchers and what he's looking for in, in certain counts and whatnot and it's incredible that's why he's been around the game as long as he has it doesn't come by surprise with the resume he has uh, he works his butt off and still at his age he's in the weight room every day keeping his body tip-top shape is as good as it can be and uh it's hard not to respect what he does but yes we can all take 
many pages out of his book and try to apply it to our game because uh, that's just that veteran presence that, that he has and, and guys want to learn from because it's just incredible the career he's had. And, uh, you know, we all want to try to emulate as many things as a guy like that as possible. So he's great for our team, great for our clubhouse, and, um, you know, hopefully he's able to hit many more homers and big at-bats for us in the near future as well. And as good as he's been, um, I think he's obviously trickled down and had an impact on the entire lineup. As he was added at the trade line, trade deadline, I'm kind of curious from your perspective, were you at all worried for that you were going to be here through the deadline? Because, I mean, you are human, and yep. you started to hear your name called. You know, I, I know there's always a possibility, but just with what I provide from a, a clubhouse standpoint and, you know, the post-game stuff, I've been here for a while, and I know my teammates respect me, and I know I'm a, I'm a big part of this team. Even when my production isn't where I want it to be at times, I, I know what my value is, and, and I think the coaches and players see that as well. You know, me being one of the leaders over here, I think the, the thing I had in my favor was that, you know, if I were to leave, I think a lot of things would have changed and, you know, would have had a, some kind of impact on the team, and, and I'm so thankful that I'm still here. Obviously, me and Eric Neander have had a lot of conversations, you know, around the deadline and in this past winter as well. And, you know, I understand everything from a business side of everything. And I've had every opportunity and then some in with this organization, this uniform. So I'm just thankful for everything that's thrown my way. And I just want to, um, you know, soak as much as I can with this group of guys because you never know what the future holds. And I'm having the time of my life playing with these guys right now and that's all I I really care about right now I'm here and uh the 2021 season is all that matters to me did you exhale because none of us in real life really know what this is about mm-hmm. like we can't get traded yeah. broadcasters don't get traded in the yeah. middle of the season yeah. we don't know what that's like yeah I uh I, I was thankful when it was all said and done just to still be a part of this group this organization has given me everything that I don't I can't even imagine I mean it, it's been when people say you know living the dream I'm I'm living out a dream right now that I never, I never really even realized could be a reality until you know a few years into my minor league career with the Rays it all kind of happened back in 2013 AA for me it, it's just been such a joy and I, I look back on you know I think about the draft that just happened I'm like wow I was drafted 11 years ago dating to this year and that's just incredible and a lot of guys come up to me and tell me how cool it is to be with one organization for as long as I have. And I said, I agree. This is the only place I want to be. I'm glad I'm not a journeyman, and I've been several different organizations I like. I don't like change a whole lot, to be honest, but I'm, I'm starting to ramble right now. I love this organization. I love the people. I love the fans here. I love driving to work every day. We have a great thing going here. We win a ton now, and I'm, I'm glad that I came you know, how it started from my rookie year in 14 to where we are now, I'm very proud to be a part of all of that. And, um, you know, hopefully we can finish this season off the right way. One thing that has changed is you're now a father of two. How's it gone to uh, man-to-man defense uh, this, this season for you? It's been good. Um, just kind of seeing where how me and Marissa would, would deal with this and, and, you know, life with the baseball schedule that we have and then you know trying to balance that with two kids at home now total totally different than 
in just one. Yes, you hit the nail on the head. Man-to-man defense, it's it's not easy. Whenever I leave home, Marissa is going one-on-two, uh, playing a zone again, and it's not easy for her. But um, it just makes me love her and appreciate her so much more because I know these, these days when I'm gone and she has a lot of time to kill with the kids each and every day doing the same thing, it's the best life we could ever ask for, but it's not easy by any means. I don't care what your situation is. Being a parent is is uh, the best thing ever, but it, it is a, a job and, and then some. But we're we're doing okay, and I knew we'd get through it. And, you know, there's been some trying times here or there, but that's how it is for for everyone. But it's, uh, you know, I, I worked my whole life to be in the position I am playing um, in the big leagues and, and being a family man, uh, most importantly. And I just want to be the best dad and husband I can possibly be. And, and I try my hardest each and every day to do just that. You mentioned the goal here is to get the last two wins. What will be the difference, the separator, you think, between getting to where you were last year and getting now that final step? It just comes down to execution. Honestly, we have the talent. We have the personnel to do it. We just have to come out here for today, tomorrow, and every game we play from here on out and realize what we have at stake and just come ready to play. And I mean, that sounds a lot easier said than done, which it is. But, you know, if we come out and have that right mindset and and execute the way we're capable of and feed off each other when, when we're going good, we're a tough team to beat, and there's times where our back gets against the wall and we get a little passive, a little timid. Uh, you know, that happens to every team out there, but we, for the most part, we still have a, a pretty young, unexperienced team for the most part, and you want these guys to realize how important each and every day is to try to ultimately be at the end of the season and, and hosting that trophy. And, and once again, we have the personnel, the coaches, the camaraderie, all the right pieces to do it, but it's you know, we control our own destiny, and if we go out there and handle our business, um, I have all the confidence in the world. But, uh, you know, it, it's going to be a, a tough task for, for each and every team out there competing for that. So may the best team win. Well, here's to the dog days of August leading to some special moments in October. The KK, thanks for a few minutes on This Week in Race Baseball. Thank you, Neil. That's Kevin Kiermeyer. We'll continue right after this. You're listening to the Race Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Race Baseball. I'm Neil Solons, and time now to take a look at the week gone by. Joining us from Bally Sports Sun, Doug Wechter. Doug, how are you? Doing great, Neil. How you doing, buddy? Very good. This is a day where the Rays wrap up a stretch of 13 days in a row without a day off. They are 8-4, and four, and I think all things considered, that's pretty darn good when you, when you look at all the guys the Rays are missing due to injury and the, the challenge of the schedule over this period. No, I agree 100%. I mean, look, you see what they're doing just in the last six, you know, 5-1 over the last six games and uh you know this is a part of the season where it's easy for these guys to get very fatigued very tired you know you're in the dog days of the of the season right now and it's easy to lose some concentration and end up losing a little bit of ground but i think the rays have done such a good job of staying focused and like you said i mean they're dealing with not only the season and and the heat and everything else going on outside uh when they travel but they're also dealing with a bunch of injuries, and the injury bug has definitely gotten to them, but they've been able to uh, really just weather the storm. And every guy that's gone in there, specifically in the bullpen and, and taking the ball, uh, a lot of new faces, but 
you know, still the same outcome. They've been doing a great job of uh, going out there, getting the job done, and getting the outs they need and helping this team win. They have indeed. And the other piece of this is that uh, the young pitchers have really done a nice job. I mean, Luis Patino's effort yesterday I thought was really big for this group. You know, that was one of the best outings I've seen Patino throw. Uh, I thought the fastball was right where it needed to be. The slider was excellent. And really, you're going up against a very, very tough lineup in the White Sox. Uh, and you're coming off of a very bad outing. Let's, you know, you can be very honest with it. Uh, his last time out, he was not sharp. You know, his command was off. It just didn't look like the Patino that we've seen in the past. And it's really good to see such a young pitcher be able to bounce back from a tough outing and go out there and put together one of his best outings. I mean, that's a sign of maturity, and, you know, it's just a sign of, uh, you know, things that you really want to see from a guy that you're expecting to be right up there at the front of your rotation. No doubt. And they also get a pitcher back today. Uh, And how important to you is it to get a guy today back in Chris Archer? I think it's very important. You know, I mean, he brings a lot to the table, not just experience, which everybody's going to lean on him for the experience part, but also his stuff. You know, I'm getting really good reports on how his stuff is playing out right now. Uh, Velocity is, you know, low to mid-90s. A slider has really good break to it. And, you know, honestly, it's not like the Rays need him to go out there and throw, you know, eight, nine innings. I mean, they're looking for him to go out there and put together just some quality innings, hopefully get – possibly four clean, maybe five. Uh, And if they can do that and get that out of him, you know, you can hand it off to the number one bullpen in the AL. Uh, You know, this bullpen is so good. Uh, This staff is really built to be able to hand the ball off to them. And if it's a tight game, we're going to be sitting pretty because, you know, that bullpen just doesn't give up runs and our defense plays so well. So, you know, again, if you're looking back at Archer and how big it is to have him back, it's a nice familiar face. Uh, it's somebody that you can count on, and I anticipate him having a really strong outing today. And beyond that, you know, they don't have to go conventional today. With the day off Monday, with the day off Thursday, they've got Josh Fleming now working out of the bullpen. They can go with Archer, right-hander, then a, a left-hander who's more of a sinker ball pitcher and Josh Fleming for a few innings and really piece this game together today. And they can use Josh differently going forward even. Oh, I love it. And you know the Rays love it. I mean, the more the more chances they have to really just – Utilize matchups. Uh, that's what they thrive on. And Kevin Cash does such a good job of putting those matchups together and, and thinking through, you know, the entire game and putting these guys in positions where they're going to be very successful. I think if you can do some type of combination with Chris Archer handing the ball off to a possible Josh Fleming where you go to a ground ball pitcher who has, you know, a ground ball rate of over 60%, I think that plays right into the race hands. And you talk about going against a lineup in the White Sox that really thrive on the extra base hits and thrive on trying to launch the baseball. Uh, if you've got a guy in Fleming who can combat that with that heavy sinker, you know, it is really going to favor the Rays. So it should be a great matchup for the Rays today. And uh, I, I can't wait to look for You know, I can't wait to see it. Let's uh, look big picture here. The Rays likely are going to get Matt Whistler back this coming weekend against Baltimore. He's throwing a bullpen today. They've got Fairbanks throwing in Durham today, Fire Eisen pitched yesterday, Thompson the day before, uh, Nick Anderson is working his way back, David Robertson could join the Rays at some point in September. How tough will that bullpen be, assuming those guys can come back in the month of September and hopefully going well into October? Well, you know, it's so funny to say that. I mean, they're, they're an extremely tough bullpen right now. 
And then you talk about adding some arms that we know of and that we've seen be so successful over the past year, two years. Uh, it, it's going to be incredible. You know, it's almost like you, you always listen to the Rays, and during the deadline, the trade deadline, every single year, at least recently, they've talked about, well, once this guy and, and that guy gets off the injured list and comes back, it's almost like trading for a strong arm in the bullpen. Well, that's exactly what is going to happen here in September. I mean, you've got the ability to add two, three, possibly four quality arms to a bullpen, and all these guys have been rested up healthy and now rehab their way to where they're 100%. Uh, it's going to play heavily in the favor of the Rays. And not just in September with that September push, but then you got to think, uh, you know, possibly into October where, uh, you know, the playoffs are going to be happening and you're going against some teams with some strong lineups. Uh, these matchups, it, it couldn't have been timed any better for the Tampa Bay Rays to get some of these arms back and just strengthen an already uh, very strong bullpen. Doug, less than a minute on that same end. We go to September next week already, so the Rays can carry a 28-man roster at that point. How much do you think that will help also keep the pitchers fresh throughout the month? Oh, you're talking to a former pitcher, and every time you're able to expand the rosters, you're just looking to see how many arms you can add because that's going to be the biggest deal for the Rays. I mean, their offense has just been so on point here lately. Uh, it's just really about solidifying and bulking up on the arms to be able to spread out those innings late in the year and almost work as if, you know, it's the end of spring training, working toward the playoffs, and you want to be ready game one of those playoffs. So I think the Rays will bulk up on that pitching, make sure everybody's fresh toward the end of this year, and, boy, you're going to see a team that really is poised to be able to go deep into an October push. Doug, good stuff. Thanks very much for a few minutes, and we'll talk to you again soon. Anytime, Neil. Great talking to you, buddy. Well, we continue on this week in race baseball and time to take a look at the minor league side. And one of the really neat stories in the race system this year is Brett Wisely, who has been promoted and also been recognized, too, for his great play uh, in recent weeks. Brett, thanks very much for a few minutes. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. First of all, as a kid who is from Florida and was drafted by the Rays just a couple of years ago, what did that mean just to start your pro career with a team in your home state? Well, it was honestly very exciting because I grew up watching the Rays. In Jacksville, that was like the only major league team we had on cable. So I grew up watching the Rays, watching Evan Longoria, Carl Crawford, just people like that. So it was kind of exciting to have the opportunity to play for them. And tell me what it was like for you during the pandemic, how you kind of were able to grow because you're drafted in 2019, 2020 supposed to be your first full year. And then all of a sudden everything gets put on pause. I feel like I had it somewhat easy because my brother who also got drafted the same year I did, we would go up to the park every day, local park. He would throw to me, he'd throw live to me. So like I would getting live at bats once a week and hitting every day. So I feel like I was growing as a player with him helping me. Your brother was drafted by the Cleveland Indians, um, and he's your older brother, correct? Yes, sir. So tell me what it was like. Were you all a big baseball family? I've, I've read that you've got, what, six, seven brothers? Yeah, I, I think there's six of us. It's hard to remember off the top of my head. There's <laughs> Me and him are from the same parents, and then we uh, they both got married before, had kids, and then my parents got together. So all of us played baseball at one point in our lives, which is pretty crazy. But me and my brother are the only ones that go to college for it. Did you always want to be a pro baseball player? And what has it meant to you and your brother Alec to both be playing professional baseball? It's pretty unique for one family. Yeah, it was a goal growing up. I mean, watching my older brothers play, I was like, dang, I want to be professional. That's the biggest goal anybody wants to have when they're a kid. And then me and my brother, when we got drafted, I thought it was 
greatest thing in the world for us too and and the family so it's kind of a cool thing it happened in the same year and obviously you're having a terrific season you mentioned that you had your brother pitch to you which also obviously gave you i'm sure a leg up on some but how else did you grow during the pandemic how do you think you improved your game because you're putting up power numbers in addition to speed numbers this year yeah i think being in the gym every day kind of helped a lot especially with the power numbers and me and him would go up to the field and we would just throw the football and not really think anything of it, but that would really help my speed as well, just running routes and just sprinting. I think that was a big contributor to my speed overall. Now, I know the Rays love versatility. Where have you played on the diamond this year, and, and where do you feel most comfortable? I've played second, third, and first base, which first base was new to me this year. I haven't played. I've played probably a couple games in college at first base, but second base I feel the most comfortable because I've played there a lot more games. And offensively, how would you describe yourself? You mentioned the power that's come on this year. You're a guy who's got double digits and homers. You're near 30 stolen bases for the year too. So you've been able to do a combination of things. I would really consider myself as a more of a contact hitter that would get on base and be the guy that scores for people that hits like doubles and home runs. I wouldn't really consider myself more of a home run hitter, even though I do have decent home runs this year. I think home runs are more of like mistakes in my swing because I'm trying to hit line drives and I catch it further out front and then I hit in the air and the ball goes. You started the year in Charleston. You're now up in Bowling Green, so you've moved up a step. What did it mean to get that promotion? Oh, it was exciting. I was so excited to get the promotion and especially that uh, my buddy Logan got promoted with me. It made it a lot easier coming up here because I knew, well, half the team up here is from Charleston (laughs) anyways, but I knew someone coming up. If those two teams, Charleston and Bowling Green, are record-wise two of the best teams in minor league baseball record-wise, how good have the clubs been and, and how much has that helped, do you think, you grow as a, as a player? These have probably been the two of the best teams I've ever played on in my life. Being that, I feel like it makes me as a player play better because I have no pressure on myself because I know the team's going to get it done if I don't have a great day. You've had some pretty good moments just from getting to Bowling Green. You've had what? A couple of walk-off home run, walk-off hits and homers already? Yes, sir. I've had a walk-off home run and a walk-off sack fly. And that, <laughs> I think that just goes back to not having any pressure on me because I know if I don't get it done, then the guy behind me is going to get it done. What types of things, and we're talking with Brett Wisely, what types of things have you tweaked at all during the course of this season that has allowed you to grow? Where And, and what coaches have had the greatest uh, impact on you so far? I would say both the hitting coaches up here, Brady, and then down in low A, Warner, they helped me a lot with my swing, just changing my hand position, really, because my hands started higher in the year. and I just felt like I was getting under balls and not hitting balls as hard as I, I could. So I just moved them down a little bit. And then down in low A, uh, Sean Smedley helped me out with uh, like stealing bases. At, at the beginning of the year, I probably had three steals in the first month. But then when I talked to him about getting a bigger lead, being more aggressive with my jumps and just having confidence, that's when I started to steal bases more and not get thrown out as much. How have the rules impacted that too? Because I know the rules at each level are different. Um, And how has that allowed you maybe to get some stolen bases? Yeah, the rules in low A were different with only, you can only have two pickoffs per batter. And that probably helped me build confidence because once they picked off once, I knew they weren't going to pick off again because they didn't want to balk. So that made me build confidence, get a bigger lead, and just just trust my my instincts. And then from the standpoint of since you've gone to Bowling Green, you're walking more than you're striking out. Is that just a confidence, the, the group you have around you? Or are there certain things that you're doing at the plate that are allowing you to even be more successful now? Yeah, I think that's more 
confidence in anything. I just have confidence when I have two strikes, which is really big. And I feel like I'm seeing the ball really well right now off lefties and righties, which is rare because lefties, I usually have trouble seeing it. But I think just confidence overall and just being being aggressive early, but also being confident with two strikes helps me out. And I think, Brett, and again, we're chatting with Brett Wisely, the Rays have had a history of having success with guys both at the top of the draft, but also guys who get picked on the third day, like yourself in the 15th round. Give me your your feel. Obviously, you're thrilled to be drafted, but do you almost carry a little bit of a chip on your shoulder, too? And has that helped you, you think? Yeah, I carry a little chip on my shoulder, but I've always been kind of under the radar, which I kind of like because I really have nothing to prove to anybody. And the way I play will just prove it to the people. Being in the 15th round, like I didn't expect to get drafted that year. I was ready to go to USF and continue my academic career in baseball. But when I got drafted, I was like, okay, well, it's my lifelong dream to get drafted. So I'll just play and just have fun with it. And if it goes well, it goes well. If not, then I guess I'll find something else to do. So you were drafted the um, the same year as your brother, and he's at USF. So does that make you a USF fan too, even though you're in the Jacksonville area or from there? Yeah, I was. I would be a fan because a couple of my buddies who I went to junior college, they actually committed USF to play baseball too. So I always check out the stats and see how they're doing and, I would say I'm a USF fan. The only reason I ask that is that obviously they went to, you know, they, they went far in the tournament this year and you've got in essence, a USF connection with several guys in the organization, Shane McClanahan, who's obviously in the big leagues, Phoenix Sanders, at triple A, the Rays have had a history of some guys, you know, from that school that have been drafted here too. I know Shane, I know him a little bit because he played with my brother when they were at USF together. So I know him a little bit, but yeah, it's kind of cool how guys you, you see play in college, they're already in the big leagues and Shane's been in, I think, three or four years in the Rays and he's already up there. It's exciting to see that. And the other thing I was curious, Brett, since you guys did not have a season last year, how are you holding up physically as you guys are, are at that hundred game mark after not playing a year ago? I think the biggest thing for me this year was to stay healthy because after taking a whole year off, I didn't know how my body was going to react to a full season because I've never played as many games ever. I try every day just to make sure my body's healthy. I roll out. I like use a Theragun. I massage my body, just make sure everything's okay. And if I'm feeling somewhat tweaked anywhere, I'll just try to talk to the trainer and get that like situated. But overall, I mean, just try to stay healthy and get through this year will be a huge success to the year I'm having. Well, you're doing it with a lot of success on the field, too. We appreciate some time. Congrats on the wonderful year, and thanks for being with us on this week in Rays Baseball. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that's Rays prospect Brett Wisely, who, between Charlotte and Bowling Green, is hitting two ninety-five this year with 15 homers, 55 runs batted in, 29 stolen bases as well, and an OPS of eight sixty-six. Coming up, Matt Quattrero, the Rays bench coach, on keeping Tampa Bay players fresh down the stretch, and John Morosi on the national side on the playoff races in the American League. You're listening to This Week in Rays Baseball on the Rays Baseball Network. Welcome back to This Week in Rays Baseball. I'm Neil Solons. The Rays remain one of the top four teams in the American League, and the majors, for that matter, in runs scored. Certainly talent has something to do with it, and so does keeping players fresh. And I asked bench coach Matt Quattrero how difficult that is to do and if any player is fresh at this point of the year. Your first part of the question, I would say no. No one's really fresh. I mean, especially this year, coming off a shorter season and playing a full season again, I think guys uh, – Guys are probably leg-weary a little bit and travel-weary and all that kind of stuff, but I think our guys do a really good job off the field staying in shape in the weight room, and then we really try to manage how much BP we take and 
be mindful of the days where we travel and show up late and certain other days. So I think that's how you try to manage it. How do you balance that, hey, guy needs a day versus we might need him off the bench today? And how much of that, what types of things go into that? Well, I think the priority is winning the game. So if we need somebody off the bench and we think that gives us a chance, you know, if we get him seven innings and we pinch hit him in the eighth like we did with Brandon the other day in Minnesota, then we're going to do that. You know, getting a day is more as much mental as it is physical. You know, and when guys, when guys know that they're not starting, we tell them the night before so they have the ability to kind of decompress a little after the game and plan their whole next day, you know, come in late if they don't want to take BP or whatever the case is. So they get a little physical break, but as much of it is mental. How much of it is proactive, too, and how much of it is lineup-based when you guys give guys a day? Proactive meaning that we look ahead a few days to try to give a guy a day off? Or you see a guy, you're saying, hey, he's starting to look a little bit like he could use one uh, versus, well, the lineup also fits that this may be a good day to get him that day. I think I think those go hand in hand. I mean, we're going to pick a, the best day we can to get a guy off unless he's actually really banged up and you know it forces you know when Yandi hurt his thumb the other day he got two or three days off out of necessity those weren't all the best days for him to miss you know but that just had to be the case but in other instances you know when Bross was up here the last few days he played each position and we moved guys around so that everybody got a day Joey got a day Wander got a day, Brandon got a day. So, you know, we, we try to do it that way when we can. We have the ability to do that with our versatility, but more so it's based on the lineup and we pick the day that we think is best. You started the week with six guys on your bench. How weird was that for you, for this organization specifically, for a non-September 40-man roster way back in the day? Yeah, I guess I'd have to guess that the only other time I can even think we were close to that was maybe in the one-game wild card. You know, because you probably have, we probably had two starters and a six-man pen or something for that one game. But so, yeah, it was definitely weird. I mean, only five of them were available. You know, Yandi wasn't available. But, yeah, it did look strange to look down there. Even to see five guys on the bench is not normal for us. How important is the honesty of the players at this point in the year, too, and getting a feel when someone, you may see a guy who doesn't look like they're running well or their swing looks awkward to make sure, hey, we got to get you a day for whatever reason well most of them aren't going to be honest because they want to play and if you ever ask them hey do you want a day they're going to say no and that's the kind of guys we have you know we kind of try to take it out of their hands I mean common sense is all right we're in a stretch of 11 straight days and this guy's played nine of them you know he's you also look at what the games are like if they're long on defense you're standing on your feet or you hit three doubles you know, there's more that goes into it just than he played these several days in a row. It's how his workload has been during those games. And this is a stretch of 13 straight games without a day off. You're finishing it on turf. You're playing the last seven, including a series against the White Sox. How much will next week help freshen guys up? Yeah, I mean, you hope so. You hope, but you just never know. You know, think about it just in your daily life. You want, oh, I'm going to get a good night's sleep tonight. You know, sometimes that doesn't happen. And you don't feel as refreshed the next day as you think you do. And, I mean, these guys, you know, they have all those same issues as well. So you hope it freshens them up. But at the same time, you know, going to Philly, that'll be different because we'll only have, you know, no DH. So we'll have an extra guy on the bench. So hopefully we can do some creative things to keep guys, you know. But we'll pinch hit more and we'll pinch run more and double switch and things in those games. So 
you know, you can't, you can never get too far out ahead. You think you got it planned out and then something changes. You have had the benefit this week of a couple of lopsided games. How much has that helped to get seven innings, get a guy off his feet for a couple, or or not have to use guys on the bench when you've got them available, but you don't really need to use them at all? Yeah, I think that's huge. And, you know, we have, and it's helped the pitching as well. I mean, we've been able to, you know, use guys, give Kit a day and or a couple days and Shaggy a couple days. But, yeah, from a position player standpoint, when you don't have to go in there and crank it up and pinch hit and high leverage in the seventh inning, then you get a day where you can truly just relax, and that, that is the best way to go about it. One thing that's also been notable is how good you guys have been when guys have had to come off the bench. I mean, I look at Jimon Choi as like 6 for 7 as a pinch hitter, and he's not the only one who's produced. How do you... How much talking do you do, obviously, with Kevin during the game, but also with guys to give them an idea, just like the bullpen, this might be your slot. This might be a guy you're going to face in a certain situation. Yeah, we try to be out in front of it as much as we can. I mean, you see, you, you know how many righties or lefties they have in their bullpen and when they like to use them. And so you kind of give the guy a heads up, hey, if we get two guys on here, your spot might be six hitters away, but that gives them a full inning. You know, like, hey, if they get so-and-so up next inning, and we get a couple guys on, that's going to be your spot, you know, unless we take the lead. So you try to talk through it with them as much as possible. But, again, things come up quickly sometimes, but we do try to be proactive. And since I touched on it, how pleased have you been with the way guys have prepared for coming off the bench? Because that's a really hard thing to do. Yeah, we're very lucky. These guys are pros. I mean, and they and they want to play. They know, you know, I think it's one of the things that is part of the environment of we do it all the time, so it's a consistency thing. It's not like, oh, we go three weeks without pinch hitting, and then all of a sudden, hey, tonight we're going to use Choi in this situation. Like, no, these guys, it's pretty much every night where those guys know Joey's going to hit for, um, you know, for, for a, a, left hand, a right-handed hitter that's in there when a tough righty comes in or whatever the case is. So these guys know that that's the routine, so they're not surprised by it. And since I know he's helped so many guys from a hitting standpoint, have you learned anything from Nelson? Maybe not about hitting, but that helps you while you're on the bench at all as a guy who's been around the game so long. Jeez, if I could turn back the clock and he could help me hit, that would be interesting. Uh, no, I mean, you know, I, I like most of these guys, you learn from watching. You know, he's not coming up to me and telling me how to talk to guys to get ready to hit or anything like that. I mean, but you watch how he prepares and watch how he reacts in the dugout after his at-bats, and I'm sure the other guys are seeing that as well. And that's Matt Cochero, the Rays bench coach. Time now to take a look at all the playoff races in the American League. And joining me from MLB Network and Fox Sports, John Morosi. And John, we have what appears to be an exciting six weeks left right now in the regular season. O'Neill, uh, thanks so much for having me on the show today. And, and yes, I, I can't wait. Some tremendous races across the AL, the NL as well. And uh, looking forward to the playoffs. It'll be here before we know it. Let's hit on the American League. Who do you see right now as the favorite? Because at least from my standpoint, there's probably a handful of teams that are all capable of winning the thing. I agree. And I've been saying for a while that the White Sox are, are, are my pick as the favorite. I just like their their overall pitching depth is really extraordinary. And, and of course, Rodon, we have seen, and, and obviously he's had some injury issues here of late, but you look at their overall depth, and, and this is the kind of team that you often see having success in the postseason. They have Kopech, who can give them multiple innings out of the bullpen. They have two all-star closers in Kimbrell and Hendricks. Giolito, obviously, has been one of the better starters for the last couple of years, uh, maybe not quite as dominant this year. Lance Lynn has been great. Cease is very good. You just go down the line. I, I like this team a lot. They've got some good balance in the bullpen, too, with Bummer from the left side. So 
uh, I think for all those reasons and an improving and, and um, even healthier lineup here in recent times, I think Chicago is the best top to bottom team, but I've got Tampa Bay right there with them. One thing I love about Tampa is, as you know, their lineup is much better than it was last year. It's really not, not even a comparison. The lineup depth, the number of guys having career years, just the, the, the diversity in their offensive approach, Neil, I, I think really stands out to me. It's just it's a better team than what we saw last year in the World Series. And whenever you can make that statement about a, a reigning league champion, it's pretty powerful indeed. It is. It's a very different team, too. I mean, they're going to use their you're talking from the White Sox standpoint about how they use their pitching staff. And it's much more traditional with a really good bullpen. I, I would think that the Rays are going to be as untraditional from a pitching standpoint as any team in the postseason. That's a great point. And actually, Neil, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I was looking at the Rays roster the other day and thinking about how they've planned out their pitching. And obviously McClanahan's been tremendous and been a revelation for them in a lot of ways. But I was even just wondering myself, do we know in a seven-game series who their four-man rotation would be? I'm not I'm not sure that we even know right now, do we? I think a lot of it will depend on the next six weeks. I think a lot of it will you'll see a lot of bullpenning because uh, you know, assuming they get the arms back that they that they want in their bullpen, they've got a lot of guys who can go two, three innings at a pop. Right. And with two days, three days, two days, you're not playing more than three games in a row. It's very different from last year's format, as you remember five straight or seven straight, it's a whole different animal. That's a great point. And obviously it's a different rotation as, as you well know, and as our listeners well know, without Morton, without Snell. But I, I think you've seen enough of the younger guys really emerging for the Rays this year. And uh, as I mentioned, McClanahan's really impressed me a lot this season. I have every confidence Kevin Cash and his group will find uh, the best way to get 27 outs. And, and as we know, more often than not, they get the 27 outs. And it's, it's a really interesting team to watch play. When you have greater run support as what the Rays have right now, it just gives you more latitude. It gives you more flexibility. If, if every game is not two to one, three to two, you can be a little more creative. And I think overall, Kevin Cash has done that with tremendous success this year. He certainly has. And, and then you've got the Yankees who right now are surging. My question is, are they going to be able to maintain the level of play they've got going right now? Obviously, they're beating up on a Minnesota team that they seem to beat year by year. Well, that's a great question. And, and Neil, the other thing about the Yankees is that very quietly, they've got the best record in baseball since the All-Star break. And, and that maybe hasn't been celebrated or observed quite as much because they did have some struggles. They had a number of players on the COVID IL. They had a number of players in the IL in general, but they have played really well. And I think one of the things that I'll point out is, is that while they have made some moves that they did bring in Rizzo and Gallo, I think it's been the existing players who have been really crucial in this run. I think judge has been really good. Stanton has been healthier this year than he has in a while. Sanchez, since coming back from the IL, he's been very good. The guy that I'm watching the most, Neil, for the Yankees in, down the stretch is LeMahieu because he has had an off year, but he's been a little bit better of late. The, the at-bats have gotten better. I really believe that as LeMahieu goes, the Yankees go. And you could talk about all the other stars they've got, uh, and it's not just because DJ is from the great state of Michigan, Neil. He really is an important player for them, and we've seen him be a, an MVP-type candidate the last couple of years. And if he has a good stretch run, a lot of things will be forgotten about how he's had a, a bit of a down year by his own standards. You just touched on a good stretch run. We don't know what some of these pitching staffs are going to look like at the end of the next six weeks. You know, you mentioned how good the White Sox are, but, you know, they've got some guys who've made 23, 24, 25 starts. What are guys going to look like after 33 starts going from 60 to 162? Well, that's a, that's a great point. And that's where 
I think, Neil, the teams that I'm feeling the best about right now are those that have layers of pitching. Tampa Bay has that. The White Sox have that. I think that's where Kopech and the conversation about him becomes really interesting because the White Sox have used him almost exclusively in relief this year. And I think that's the right thing to do. Of course, he's barely pitched since 2018 before this season. He is a a really specific case, but I, I think that it's going to be an advantage to the teams that look at pitching in a creative way and don't just slot a pitcher into one particular role. And so you look around the most adaptable staffs, I would say in the major leagues right now, the Rays, the White Sox, the Brewers to an extent that they've got some multi-inning guys, of course, recently with Peralta being on the IL makes me a little worried, but that's a team with, with a lot of fluidity in the way they look at their pitching. And then the Dodgers, the Dodgers have that same approach. You and I know David Price well. He's been a reliever for a lot of this season. That's pretty amazing to say that. And it's a credit to David as a teammate. It's a credit to the way the Dodgers look at pitching that you could have someone like David Price who's won a Cy Young Award and has also been a a key guy on a World Series team with the Boston Red Sox a couple of years ago, and now he's pitching in relief, and now all of a sudden he's back in the the rotation as needed and pitching very well. So I I really give David a lot of credit. I look at their staff and and bringing in Max Scherzer. He has been tremendous. This is going to be a fun team to watch down the stretch, and let's not forget about the Atlanta Braves. They've been a team that's been one of the better clubs in baseball since the All-Star break, and they are just getting back some big names like Enoa, who was really good for them early in the season before his injury. Max Freed is a tremendous outing over the weekend. Uh, Neil, there are a lot of really interesting teams, but but I, I'm going to stand by my answer and say it's the clubs that are the most adaptable who are going to have the most success in October. All right, let's look out west in the American League. Which team is going to win that? Is it Houston? Is it Oakland? And are either in a good situation should they win the division? Well, it's another great point. Obviously, that the Rays got to know the Astros very well in the playoffs last year. I still think Houston finds a way to win that division. Oakland's playing well. I really give the edge to Houston. And this, to me, is what affirms my overall look at the AL playoff picture, which is I'll be surprised if the wild card game is not one team from the East and one team from the West. It's certainly possible you could see you know two teams from one division make it in. We've seen that before. It's theoretically one of the options out there that we could see a Red Sox Yankees wild card game. But I, I really think that there's enough strength out West and enough strength out East, and they play each other often enough that we're not going to see two teams from the same division get in there. I, I just I really believe it's going to be probably the Yankees at this stage against Oakland. Seattle's put together a really good year. They've overachieved a lot of different ways, but I don't see them ultimately passing Oakland and Toronto. Their, their form of late Neil, as, as you've seen really has, has been disappointing they, they lose a couple of games, to the nationals, they lose the, the series opener to the tigers. These are games they should be winning when you're an AL East team and you're playing clubs elsewhere outside the division that are below 500, those have to be wins. They really have to be wins because you know that in division, you're going to be facing some really good teams who are playing well. And Toronto has just spoiled too many winnable games of late. So to me, I'm I'm almost discounting them in, in the uh, wildcard conversation. And I think it's going to come down to Houston winning the division. I, I love their young pitching. Garcia has been great. They're getting a little bit healthier in the rotation right now with Urquidy making his way back. Graven was a really good pickup. Bregman, you would have to expect, will come back and make an impact at some point. Houston overall, they've got a lot of guys who've been there before and a lot of young guys with some tremendous, tremendous stuff on the mound. So I'm going to go with Houston to win that division. So One team we have not mentioned is Boston. Are they on the outside? I mean, they're on the outside looking in right now, but they did get Chris Sale back. 
they have not played well against the top teams in the division. What happens to them? I think they fall out of this, Neil. I, I really believe that. And and actually, I, I give credit to Chaim Bloom for understanding what his team is right now. You know, they had a quiet deadline, which you could look at one of two ways. Either, wow, if they had gotten Max Scherzer, would they be a different club right now? Or do you credit Chaim Bloom for correctly discerning what was going on with this team all along, which was they were overachieving. And I think it's the latter. I think Alex Cora has done a great job with this team this season. Chaim Bloom did a good job with some shorter term pitchers that he brought in. But if you look at the team on the field, they're just not as good as Tampa Bay and they're not as good as the Yankees. They're just not right now. This could change. Could Alex Cora have some magic down the, down the stretch? And he's such a great guy in terms of being able to, to get the most out of his players. That's all possible. I don't see that right now, Neil. I, I see Boston as being a, just a tick behind where Tampa Bay and the Yankees are. And, and, and just that little bit of gap, I think, is going to be enough to put them out of the playoffs this year. Good stuff, John. We appreciate some time. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon here down the stretch. Neil, always enjoy our conversations, my friend, and, and look forward to the day that we can catch up in person during the course of the postseason. That's uh, re- really something I'm looking forward to doing here pretty soon. And that's John Morosi of MLB Network and Fox Sports, and we certainly appreciate him and all of our guests on the program today, including race outfielder Kevin Kiermeyer, as well as Doug Wechter joining us from Bally Sports Sun, Brett Wisely, Rays prospect, and also Matt Cuchero, the Rays bench coach, for being with us on this Sunday. If you ever have something you want to hear on the program, all you have to do is tweet me. You can do so at Neil Solons. On next week's program, we'll hear from Drew Rasmussen, get to know the relatively new Rays pitcher, that and a whole lot more. Special thanks today to my producer, Rob Roman. I'm Neil Solons. Rays getting set for the Chicago White Sox on this Sunday. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next on the Rays Baseball Network.